Welcome to episode 6 of the Peaked Too Early podcast. This past match day saw Arsenal decimate their hated rivals in the North London Derby, Tottenham. To replicate this, we have our very own mid-table quality podcast host, Oscar Saywell, uh, here to host this podcast and beat up on fellow mid-table quality podcast host, myself, Blake Munchell. Oscar Saywell, how are you? Hello, uh, I'm good. Back again, three days late. Uh, my fault, again. Um, but happy to be here. Better late than never. And yeah, it was a, it was a good weekend of football. There was some fun games again this weekend, um, which I'm really appreciating. I'm loving watching a, a few few a weekend and a big win for West Ham, uh, which is always excellent. Yes, not only just a great weekend of matches, also a pretty great week in general. Uh, yeah, from last week's and this week's Champions League Champions fixtures. League. Sure, sure. Uh, I thought today, today, today's fixtures. I was like, eh, I don't know. Maybe it's because I didn't pay any attention. I'm kind of just kind of like bored of Barcelona. The manual result is annoying, and and everything else looks kind of like mm, to me. But yesterday was really cool. I thought. Yeah, Ju- um, Juventus Chelsea was a good match. Oh, true. Um, I did forget that that was today. I enjoyed that one quite a bit. Um, Oscar, to start things off, uh, I need to talk about our predictions mm, from predictions. last week. Yes, As what what is becoming a recurring trend, uh, I'm not doing as well as you are. Oh no. Uh. We both accurately predicted two matches. However, you perfectly predicted Watford won, Newcastle won, hey, extending your me. lead. Uh, so you have eight points on the season. I have five points on the season, wow. uh, which is a differential of three. We're both not doing too badly, right? Pretty good. Yeah, we, we usually hit on two and miss on one, both. Okay. So you okay. tend to hit better more frequently more accurately all around better performance from you nice um all right enough talk about things that do not matter at all Mm -hmm. uh let's dive straight into this i will quickly say man city beats chelsea one nil bleh whatever who cares yeah that is a bleh uh aston villa would beat man u in quite an exciting match uh Hello. Including a skied penalty. Yes, uh, from Bruno. Oh, can I just quickly mention uh, the shithousery from Emmy Martinez? Because it's, like, it. like, it's just next level. It's like he is like, that is a villainous. And I think that Manchester United should have seen it coming because we saw him do it in the Copa America final as well. Um, if anyone hasn't see it, seen it, he completely ignores Bruno Fernandes and just goes after Ronaldo and just repeatedly says like, why aren't you taking it? Like, you should be taking it, Ronaldo. Like, it's genius. It's like he has seen... I mean, I think that players know what's going on in other dressing rooms. I think he knows that maybe there's a little bit of... He knows that there's huge egos in in Manchester United's dressing room and the biggest ego of them all has walked in through the door and that there'll be some tensions there. And he's playing on that and he's also playing on... Fernandez and like he might have ruined Fernandez's whole like penalty taking thing because if Fernandez is taken off penalties then that's a whole thing that's going to destroy his confidence 
And then if Fernandez takes a pen again with Ronaldo on the pitch, it's like, is he going to miss it again? Because the pressure is even higher. It's just genius. I love it. Well, one, also immediately afterwards, both Courtney House and Emmy Martinez gloating uh, in the Man U players' faces. That was fun to see. Uh, but it was the penalty antics were especially relevant this weekend as mm. uh, Steven Taylor announced his retirement last weekend, the Newcastle legend, uh, oh, who yeah. despite never being a top quality defender for Newcastle, his antics on set pieces and penalties were second to none. Uh, just the, the bullshit he would pull you know, usually against the goalkeepers uh, yeah, and just, you know, completely throw players off. And then if we scored from a set piece, he would celebrate as if he was the one who scored the goal. Um, some true classics and uh, it's the retirement of a, a true Newcastle legend, Steven Taylor. Wow. Yeah. Steven Taylor. I, I can't really remember much about that player, uh, to be honest with you, but it rings a bell. That's for sure. Uh, okay. Yeah, no. Outside yeah. of Newcastle, didn't do much. Yeah, true, um, true. Um, well, yeah, where do you want to start? Let let's go chronologically. Leicester City and Burnley. Leicester City, Burnley. Wonderful. It was, you know, two clubs that uh, I very much enjoy watching. And looking at the table, I didn't realize quite how low Leicester City were. Uh, currently sitting in 13th. Yeah which is an awful start to the season from them. Um, but uh, this match was started quite brilliantly. Um, Courtney House-esque from Jamie Vardy, except in the wrong net. Uh, the corner was swung in by Burnley. Uh, and from the narrow angle, Jamie Vardy had that, you know, flicked backwards header. Uh, and then, in the way that only Jamie Vardy can, uh, just sheer anger forcing his way up and uh, equalizing, you know, 20 minutes later. Um, how old is Jamie Vardy now? 34, I believe. Unreal. Yeah, I, I know. I know. The fact that physically he's still tremendous. I know, it's insane. Yeah, I don't know how. I he think does it. like it's because he came into the game so late into the top flight game, right? And I mean, the 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 one weird thing is that he just like abused his body pretty much like when he was younger, and I guess now he just takes immaculate care of it. And so the the final stretch of his playing career is like he he can just keep going. I don't know. Yeah, it feels like people have been saying that Jamie Vardy's really old for a long time. I think that modern players they they have the like the the ability to last this long uh at that kind of physical level just because of i don't know science i know it's vague but you know what i mean so i think now i think now jamie's jamie vardy is getting old right so 34 35 36 sure but people were starting to say it like when he was like 31 i just don't think that's true anymore it just doesn't it's not it's not true like Lewandowski is in an immaculate condition. He's not much younger than uh, Jamie Vardy. Like, we'll see players go go the distance, I think, and keep their physical powers. I, I will say, you know, I think there's a difference in 
Lewandowski and Jamie Vardy in that Jamie Vardy is like a a ball of blitzing furiosity and just like pure pace and power. Mm. Um, whereas uh, like you would expect Lewandowski's game to age really well because it's so much, you know, finesse and intelligence and uh, that kind of stuff where Jamie Vardy, it seems like what's going on in his head is run very fast. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's interesting. I think people don't credit Vardy enough for his footballing brain, though. And I know that's a, like a vague statement, but I think he's super intelligent with those runs as well. And I think that, especially in, in these twilight years and in the, in the post-2016 like uh, Prem title win, he has uh, conserved that like bunny hopper energy super well. Um, and I know Brendan Rodgers has been pretty pivotal in, in making sure that he does that as like the elder statesman of the team. But I, I don't know. I think they're not the same type of player, but I think you can draw some pretty good comparisons between them in terms of like the, the way that they've conserved their bodies. But anyway, it's sort of beside the point. Um, tell me more about the match. Oh, I will say also Lewandowski sort of got a late start. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, he, he did, didn't he? He was like 24 or right? 25 20. when he really broke onto the scene. Um, and uh, not to be outdone, uh, three minutes after Jamie Vardy equalized, uh, Maxwell Cornet, yeesh, what a lovely goal! Gorgeous. I, Absolutely gorgeous. The most impressive thing is that he turns the wrong way, he is spinning to the outside and then catches it on his right, which is his weak foot, instead of letting it come across his body and hitting it on his stronger left foot. Um, but yeah, truly a tremendous goal. Um, and yeah, I, so think, Exciting I think... Exciting signing for Burnley. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think he's going to be a really good player. Um, yeah. They... Uh, Leon fans... Uh, you know, have been saying this is kind of exactly what you'll get with Cornet. Um, he's the type of player who will bluff easy chances because he's thinking too much about what he's going to do. But when the ball just, you know, comes into him and he just needs to hit it, uh, he'll get you a really nice goal. Yeah. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, in what sort of seemed inevitable uh, towards the end of the game, there was a long ball. I'm not even sure who played it in. Um, Nick Pope tries to come out. Uh, but he makes a decent angle, but Jamie Vardy is just way too fast. Um, beats Pope, slots it past him, equalizes 2-2. And it looks like that's the way the match is going to end. Until in the very last seconds of the game, uh, Chris Wood scores and celebrates emphatically against his mm. former club and after a, a moment's pause it is called offsides after a var review uh which is heartbreaking it would have been it would have been one of the best matches of the weekend but unfortunately it ended on kind of a down a downturn um yeah. but overall excellent match yeah good one Again, once in a while, I don't know. Yeah, Leicester, I think I'm not feeling smug, but I, I said at the, I know it's early days, but I said in our um, 
season predictions that I don't think they'll kick on this season. And despite the fact that Vardy Shaw is looking great, I think that they are struggling. And I, I don't see them finishing anywhere close to top four. And I think it's a race for Europa League now. Um, but let us move onward. Um, briefly mention that Everton beat Norwich 2-0. Norwich comfortably still the worst, worst, worst team in the league. Um, and Andros Townsend scoring a pen and um, Abdullah Decore scoring a very solid, very simple win for Everton at home. And then uh, can I touch on West Ham, Leeds? Of course. Aha, uh-huh. okay. So I had an eye on this game uh, while I was working over the weekend. Um, and it was very nice to have on in the background. I was trying desperately not to get too upset about it, um, I, which I think works, actually. Um, uh, I literally missed the winning goal because I had to be so bad, um, which I was kind of kicking myself for, but I was so happy that we scored that I didn't really mind. Slash, I hadn't really been intensely watching the game. so. Um, but we started very poorly uh, away from home uh, at Leeds. Um, Rafinha was really running riot pretty much throughout this game, I thought. Um, we played a, a back four. I didn't really think that Cresswell up against him or even Zuma and Ogbonna were really doing anything wrong. It's just Rafinha is incredible. And um, when the pace of the game is really high and when it's end-to-end, which it was uh, for most of the first half, I think that a player like Rafinha can thrive because uh, I think Rafinha is, a, is someone who can control the chaos of uh, like a basketball match kind of game. Um, so I compare him, you know, I think you're, like your Neymars can do that as well on their day, right? Where it's like uh, they can like they see the game slower i think um but they play at, play at such a fast tempo um he scored a classic lightning quick goal um in the 19th minute at which point um the stream i was watching which i guess was on peacock on the top left hand corner of the screen it i guess they have some collaboration with some statistics company now and it ticked to like west ham having a 13 percent chance of winning and less than 50% chance of drawing, I guess. And so then, obviously, like a majority chance of losing. And I remember looking at it and thinking, like, I don't, okay, I don't know anything about math. And Blake, I guess, like, you're, def- you're a statistics man. Like, is that real? Like, I don't see, can you really apply that kind of cold thinking to a football match, especially one involving Leeds and West Ham? Like, is that a thing? Did we really only have a 13% chance of winning after we went 1-0 down? Like, what's that based on? So. Oracle is a, a massive database company, um, and they also do some sorts of analysis, but I think most people would know them for their database um, stuff. But I, I think essentially what those percentages just are is teams, historically, teams that are doing this well through this much of a season, when they go down 1-0 against a team that's doing this well uh, this far into the season... How often do they win? How often do they lose? Um, it's not... So I don't believe it's a ton uh, much deeper than that. I, yeah. There sometimes is like, you know, expected goals and expected allowed and like the minutes like, oh, West yeah. Ham score 90% of their expected goals in after the 75th minute. I don't know. 
Um, but right. generally, they're, they just tend to be not much deeper than whoever scores first. Right. Okay. We'll probably win. All right. Okay, good to know. Um, I'll chug on. I was uh, put out by that, and I was thinking at the time, like, I don't, I don't know about that. I think we have a better chance of getting a result out of this than, than Oracle says. But we, again, started the second half not brilliantly. Um, and then Jared Bowen, who has been super, super good for us this season, actually, um, and has played, like, basically every minute, uh, even in, with the Europa League campaign. I think he, he played three times in a week last week. Um, he uh, picked up the ball on the right wing uh, in the 67th minute, drove with it, and um, cut in through the left shot and um it looks like initially like a just like an insane goal from him it did take a huge deflection off uh, junior firpo so much so that it was put down uh, for an own goal which i think is harsh on jared bowen because he did an excellent job but um at that point it was 1-1 and then um look i think the game was not petering out to being a 1-1 draw because i don't think that's a thing when leads are involved they were definitely pressing a bunch but we were increasingly getting our chances on the break and um, it was it was that man, Mikel Antonio, um, who, yeah, I mean, ever since we had that kind of like podcast where I was like, look, like Blake, like I know Antonio, he's not a consistent player. Like, I don't think we have we can rely on him long term. He's proven me wrong because we he's yeah, he's changed into this like not deadly goal scorer, but but someone who really has an eye for the back of the net um, and someone who's. I think the big difference is that he's staying fit. He hasn't had an injury, knock on wood, I'm doing it right now, um, for, for a long time, a significant one anyway. Um, I expect that to change, especially seeing as he's about, I think, 31 now. Um, but look, he, we, we broke and he, um, he got the ball about, I'd say, 20 yards out. And it was bobbling, bouncing, and, and he used that power of his and touched it, um, touched it around to the defender and then sort of, poked it in i guess kind of like a little lob poke thing um at pace and it was a wonderful goal and it was in the 90th minute and and we won the game from it uh, it was it was brilliant and there were there were great scenes with the players bad scenes with fans who jumped the hoardings and tried to invade the pitch um which i don't like to see but it was just like uh, a great win and it pushes us up to um where are we like seventh three points off the top Two conference off. league yep conference league two points off city chelsea man united everton and brighton um with the same all the same amount of games played and west ham is still a proper team in the premier league um and i think it was good because the three previous matches were were a draw a draw and a loss um as for leeds i they're having a very bad start to the season i know that they have a ton of injuries which is something we have to definitely bear in mind and I know that Bielsa teams sometimes can start slow and end slow. Um, but they haven't won yet in the Premier League. Uh, they have three draws uh, and, and every, everything else is a loss. And so I wonder, I wonder when it will start, the, uh, the questioning Bielsa. I hope it doesn't because I think, I think he'll fix it. But it's interesting to see. And that is my recap at an end. My question for you is... Yes. Uh, how much longer can West Ham keep getting away with this? Oh, uh, the leaving it late and stealing oh, yeah. wins yeah. right at the end. Not long is the answer. Um, I think that my predictions of sort of 
falling behind in the in the league will will ring true. Um, we're taking the Europa League super seriously. I would love to see us like qualify um, from the group stages, but it's going to start to wear us down. Um, we we will start to have injuries, and yeah, um, we've recruited well, like I said a couple of weeks ago. But but um, any team struggles when they're when they're in the Europa League, uh, and and we won't be the exception, especially with the squad depth. We did see Vlasic come on in this game, and and Vlasic, while I why I don't believe he he has a goal or an assist or anything yet. Um, I think he's only played like two or three games. He's looking good. Um, I think he'll he'll turn into a, a good player for us. Um, I think it will take him a while to bed in, just like it took for now's a while and Saeed Ben Rama a while. But West Ham now just I mean, we just have a, a really good team, a really exciting team and everyone's super committed and yeah, I mean it's just a comfortable you can tell, I think, by the relaxed way I talk about this and our potential like difficult times ahead. I'm just not worried about West Ham and that's a it's a new feeling for me. So I'm happy. Yeah, we're all looking forward to seeing Craig Dawson start yep. a European or Europa League match. Um, Let's go, Craig. Like the universe intended. Yeah. Dawson um, and Diop at the back in Europe. Sorry, go. Moving on. Uh, Newcastle Watford. What can I say? Uh, this is a rarity. Uh, 90 minutes front to back, pure domination by Newcastle mm. United. Yeah. Um, which the pundits, of course, have come out and said, "Listen, you have to give Steve Bruce credit. You know, he look at what he can do." No, we don't have to give him credit. This is one match of 96 in charge, um, and this is the first time where we've looked like the better team the entire time. Um. It, I will start this by saying Newcastle United are fucking with my heart. Mm. Uh, the takeover is back on. Oh my uh, it's been chaos today. Uh, the Premier League has threatened Newcastle United with expulsion from the Premier oh. League. Wait, what? How am I not Yeah, that? you have to read all these. Because the... Uh, trial was today. Wow. So all this stuff became public. Um, it's not clear exactly what they, th- like why they threatened expulsion from the Premier League, but you know, it's in record um, and confirmed that they threatened it. Um, it, uh, you know, January 3rd uh, is the arbitration date, uh, which should also be the date the takeover either does or does not go through. Um, right, so I'm just so, clarifying here that the Premier League are in trouble, right, over this court de- decision. So They're being they sued. To, They're the defendants. Yeah, to, have, to, have, to have abused their position. They, yes. Yeah, they want... It's yeah, yeah. entered into... And now it into, looks like it could happen in January, right? Yeah, so it's entered into statement. I don't know if that God. means like, fiasco. yeah, it it was chaos today. Um, but uh, so you know that's kind of looming over Newcastle's head right now. Um, but as for the match, this is the first time Newcastle have had twenty shots in a match since two thousand and sixteen. 
Uh, so it has been five years since we have had this many shots. Uh, you know, domination from start to finish, but the first real big opportunity... Um, or it, actually, the first goal came from one of the worst opportunities of the first half. Um, the Watford defenders kept giving Sean Longstaff uh, space on the edge of the box and asking him to shoot. He put one just over, put one to the left, uh, which really looked like it was in. And then third time's the charm. Uh, just an absolute banger. Uh, Foster gets a hand to it. Uh, it was really Foster's only uh, bad moment of the match. Uh, I think, you know, he would want to, to have it back. But, uh, you know, it's a difficult save to pull off. Um, also saw right. uh, Foster talking um, last weekend. Um, someone just met him and asked him a few questions on camera. Kind of a strange dude. Uh, just sort of strange, but kind of like a, you know, a 40-year-old dad kind of strange. Just doesn't... Not, mm. the, not the suavest guy. Uh, uh, ben Foster? Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of goofy. I think I, yeah, I enjoy kinda... watching his uh, his um, behind the scenes videos sometimes. They're kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I I totally agree. It's very cool. But when he's like talking, he's, he's kind of strange guy. dude. Yeah, he's an awkward guy. Um. So then, uh, in the second half, um, what's it? Greg Cathcart? Craig Cathcart? Craig. Craig. Uh, awful performance from him. Um. He left the back pass short. ASM nabbed it. Unfortunately, his first, weirdly, his first touch took him away from goal. Um, and uh, that caused him to have to square it. He put it behind Sean Longstaff, and Sean Longstaff uh, volleyed it over the bar, um, which really sucked. Uh, that felt like a missed opportunity to go 2 0 up. Um, then. Uh, in the 72nd minute, uh, Miguel Almiron, who had an excellent game, uh, gave away kind of a silly corner. Um, he had more time than he realized, but he put it behind anyways. Uh, and then the flicked header on uh, Ishmael Sar heads in, um, and it was Joe Willock's fault. He was totally asleep. He didn't even move. Um, he was just watching the, the flick on. Um, then, what I thought was heartbreak for Newcastle, 87th minute, Josh King, that guy, uh, would score and go insane, take off his shirt, run around. He was ecstatic. Um, it Supposedly, he's had somewhat of a tough time, so um, I'm sure you know, at the time it was very relieving from him, but he was. There was about six Watford players who were offsides, um, including Josh King. Um, yeah. So still 1-1, match is looking like it's done. The the tide has sort of started to turn towards Watford. Um and then in the 93rd minute, uh quite rough. ASM does excellently holding up the ball, excellently weighted through ball to Jacob Murphy. Jacob Murphy has 5 yards on the defender. Gets to the 18-yard box, tries to chip uh Foster and you know it just hits Foster 
Um, yeah. It even if it didn't hit Foster, it would have gone about ten yards to the left. Um, and it was just awful. Um, yeah, I I don't like him, but John Anderson's commentary of that moment sort of went viral. Um, just mm-hmm. the frustration. It was very relatable. Um, I would... So, game ends 1-1. We dominated it. Whatever. You know, sometimes these things don't go your way. I still have criticisms. Uh, one, Newcastle didn't make any changes until the 81st minute. No substitutions. Which is inexcusable. Um, it doesn't make any sense. No player can impact a game with less than 10 minutes remaining. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Moyes, Moyes is guilty of that too. By this time, Watford had made four substitutions, which uh, I didn't know was a rule, but uh, concussion rules means that yeah, you get rules. an extra substitution. Mm-hmm. Um, they were much the better team. Failed to, or Newcastle were the much better team. Failed to take their chances. Uh, if we can't beat Southampton, Leeds, Watford, West Ham... How are we supposed to beat Wolves, Spurs, Palace, Chelsea, or Brighton, which are our next five matches? Mm. I really think we will get maybe one point from the next five. Um, Maybe three. We might be able to beat Wolves. Um, Overall, just another week as a supporter of Newcastle. Just, Mm. it's never slow, I'll say that. No, never slow. Talking about not slow. Um, Yes, let's pick one of the next two games we were going to do, if that's okay with you. Yep, Brentford-Liverpool it is. Brentford-Liverpool it is. What a stonking game. Three-all. Unreal. You want to take it? Mm. No, no, go ahead, because I think that you watched it, no? Uh, I caught bits here and there. I did not watch the full match, unfortunately. I watched... Probably the worst parts. Um, I think oh, I caught two nice. Liverpool goals and nothing else. Um, but this match, uh, it started off with like two and a half minutes in, Salah um, scoring what would have been his 100th Premier mm. League goal. Or sorry, not scoring his 100th Premier League yeah. goal because it was cleared oh, off the line. Mm. Uh, and then just moments later Joel Matip scored in, or uh, cleared Mbemo's chance off the line so it was a very frantic start uh, not what I expected but no, uh, kind of indicative of what the match as a whole would be like um, in the 27th minute uh, there was a great training pitch move by Brentford um, just uh, the you know, play the free kick short, chip it over the back line, play it across, um, and a few players would end up missing it, and it would eventually be put in by Jamaican international uh, Mikhail Antonio's teammate Ethan mm. Pinnock. Ethan Pinnock. Um, this was a 100% preventable goal. Uh, about yeah. four That's Liverpool true. players missed a chance to clear it. Um, most was, at fault yeah. would be Fabinho, yeah. uh, who was marking Pinnock. 
and was just standing there watching the ball. Um, and in the end, sort of clears it off Ethan Pinnock because he reacts relate. Yeah. Um, I yeah. I was confused about that defending, actually. I, I don't know what that is. Like, who do you point the finger of blame at? Like, is that... So there were is three that just like players... a coincidentally bad piece of defending, or like who's not stepping up there? Like I don't know. I think Robertson has the yeah. most clear yeah. chance, but his yeah his attacker might have thrown him off, and then Fabinho might have been thrown off by that whole ordeal. But yeah, five minutes later, um, you know, five foot five Diego Jota uh, would score. Five. Gosh. Uh, he would score from the header. Uh, he manipulates so good in the air. space yeah. uh, like Eden Hazard does. Mm-hmm. He's very good at you know pushing into the back of a defender and then peeling off and creating you know tons of space for himself. Um, yeah. And then right after that. Um, I can't remember his first name. Uh, David Raya, uh, with a potential Raya, save David of the Raya. season He's on Diego Jota. So yep. Yeah. Yes. Um, the shot hits the post. Um, I don't remember who took the shot, but uh, maybe Salah. Um, it dropped free to Jota, and Raya had an excellent save. Um, and then uh, about 20 minutes later, Mosala finally gets his 100th goal. Um, it was initially oh, called offsides, oh, but uh, that didn't stop the celebrations. Um, it was a, a goal we've seen Salah score 25 times yeah, in his career. Times, yeah. That cushion side foot volley on a over-the-top yeah. through and, ball. Yeah. Did you see that Jurgen Klopp, I don't know why we've mentioned Lewandowski twice now in a one pod, but he said that Mo Salah is as good as Lewandowski, and I read that statement, and I think it says a lot that I was didn't I wasn't like scoffing at it because he's just like so good, so so. so I think good. Jamie Carragher said Mo Salah would start in front of Messi, Neymar, or Mbappe. Right, calm down. Uh, yeah, which I don't agree with, but uh, you know. Mosala is a good. Although I mean, the thing with Mosala is that so I mean, Messi is the best player of all time. Neymar is so talented, and Mbappe is Mbappe is Mbappe. He's the golden boy. But I think Mosala that he's more well well rounded than each every one of those players. So he he puts in a defensive shift. He can he's a deadly finisher. He can dribble. One of the best dribblers in the world. He is an amazing creative player. Uh, he's strong. He's so fast. Like, yeah. I mean, it's a ridiculous statement, but but he is like turning into. He will go down as one of the uh, one of the best, right, to play the game. Pretty much. I mean, if he keeps this up for another three or four years, which which I'm sure he will. Yeah, he's an impressive yeah. player. Mm-hmm. Um. Then. Uh... What happened next was a goal line frenzy, um, which saw Vitaly Janelt put the ball over the line on a header. Um, I think the really impressive part of this was this came after a Liverpool possession. It was a fast break by Brentford. 
And Brentford had six players in the box on the fast break, um, which, like, that fearlessness, you know, not many teams have the fearlessness to, you know, commit that right. many men forward on a fast break against right. one of the best teams uh, in the city of Liverpool. Uh, but, uh, you know, once again, immediately afterwards, which was a common trend of this game, um, Curtis Jones would score a deflected, deflected shot from outside the box um, and regain the lead, and it felt like it was going to be one of those matches where Brentford play well, but, you know, it's just so difficult to overcome the might of a team that has the, the power that Liverpool does. Um, and then, in the 82nd minute, uh, I think sort of an underrated goal. I think uh, it was much more impressive than it seems at first glance. Um, it was a Johan Vissa. Uh, Johan Vissa. Do you know what nationality he is? Oh, yeah. He is... Um... Oh my god, Tibetsung, Tibetsung. Um Why wow, he's one of the Oh my god, no, Blake, I have it, I have it, I have it. Um it, he is This is terrible podcasting. He was born in France but plays for the DR Congo. There okay, you go. Sorry, thank you. Um, um yes, DR Congo. Um he yeah, he's one of those that yeah. That sort of like he, French, French uh, the ball got pumped up to Tony. Tony brought it down, and then in sort of a, a bundle, but not a foul, uh, Ivan Tony and the Liverpool defender both fall to the ground. Uh, and basically, Johan Vissa comes across the ball and does a, a deft little dink. Uh, and uh, over uh, Trent Alexander Arnold and Ivan Tony, um, mm-hmm. and scores the late equalizer. Um, and uh, pays tribute to uh, Holland with the celebration, which was yeah, fun. that was fun. Um, and overall, excellent match, one of the best of the weekend, one of the best of the season. Yeah. Um, strange talking points afterwards. Pundits talking about how Liverpool were much the better side and deserved all three points, which you know, I th- I think they just look at possession and see that. Liverpool had seventy percent and go. Yeah. Oh, they deserved it. I um, think. I think something that Thomas Frank has said is, is is super true, and and I think of all the promoted teams, and possibly, maybe, maybe even like those top, sorry, bottom six, seven teams. Uh, Brentford are the most adept at at uh, adapting their game to whoever they play. So Thomas Frank is not afraid of. Of looking at, I don't know, Man City and putting five behind the ball because they know that they won't be able to be able to get it, and their best chance is to sort of like hit it long. But he's also not afraid of, of you know, in game against Liverpool, we saw that he Brentford came out the blocks and it was sort of super frenetic, and then he tried to control it with a couple of substitutions, and then he basically said, "Screw that, uh, we can't control it at all, so let's just go for it," and it worked, and. I think that's that's Brentford's edge along with obviously their super smart player recruitment and like the diamonds that they find but Thomas Frank is uh is their their hidden what their joker I guess um because I think he's he's just a brilliant coach uh, 
And it was he's a what is he one of those I don't know how old he is, but is he one of those Klopp disciples kind of? I think he kind of is, although he's not about the gig impress. Um and so it was fun to see those two managers go up against each other for sure. Um he's a strange man too. Thomas Frank is wonderful. He 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 pulls out super weird um quotes if you like just listen to his post match interviews. He's one of those uh people whose English is a second language who like I think like translate idioms into um English which is always entertaining. No, yeah. Right, I, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Uh he is not a Klopp disciple. Mm. He uh not really sure who he learned under. I'm trying to see he was the you know youth Denmark youth team coach for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. and uh Brondby and then the Brentford assistant. No, um, yeah. I don't know what I got there. I saw there's a, there is a relationship between him and Klopp though, and I don't know why, but there is. He, I guess you know, he um he was in uh, Dean Smith's Brentford coaching staff, so he was he was an assistant coach um, under Dean Smith, and then he was promoted after he left, and and he's been there basically ever since. Um, but yeah, he's cool. He's he was an, only an amateur player, right? And he's forty seven. I mean he. I don't really know where he's come from. He's like Bronby and stuff, and he's just very, very good. Um, and I guess he'll have a good decade or two at the top if he wants it. Yeah, I think he's going to be, uh, you know, one of these hot named managers that might get appointed um, at a club that sacks their manager and then, you know, might underperform. Oh, like underwhelm. Um, yeah. yeah. It's Maybe just like it's a Nuno. It, like a Nuno. It's the way that football works. Um yeah. you know, these hot young shot managers, you think you're Eddie like, Howe. "Oh, yeah, they're going to be the next big thing and, you know, they failed Eddie to Howe, recreate success." Job. Crazy. Uh odds on favorite for the Newcastle job. So, really, it'd be a good uh, it'd probably be a pretty good sign, signing. The number of Bournemouth players we have, it'd be perfect. Yeah, Matt Ritchie. Um, I'm sorry, Matt Ritchie and uh, what's his name? The tiny one. Callum Wilson, is. Ryan Fraser. Great lease of life. Yeah, you should. Um, yeah, just uh, recapping the rest of the matches. Southampton lose to Wolves. Um, huge victory for Wolves. Um, Raul Jimenez scoring uh, his first goal in a while. Arsenal uh, smash Tottenham. Uh, yeah, crazy. And yeah, just wild. Um, and then uh, Crystal Palace and Brighton one one. Brighton leaving it late to pull back a point. More pay goal. Um, just super super briefly on Arsenal. I think it's been really interesting to see the reaction uh, in the past couple of days, uh, specifically with regards to Mikel Arteta. So you have people like you know people who are unapologetically pro Arsenal, like Ian Wright, who I love, but also is like uh, super biased about Arsenal sort of saying that like this is the turning point for Arsenal like this is the time that they turn over the new leaf like this is it I can feel it I can feel the energy is different like etc cetera, etc cetera. and I think that I'm it, it's just like uh I don't understand how you can flip that quickly after three games this was an excellent win I think that it just doesn't help Arteta I still maintain that Arteta can turn into a good manager but I think that now it's like when they're in the doldrums, I'm always someone that's like, no, Mikhail Arteta is like better than you think he is. And now it's going to flip and everyone is going to be like, if they keep this up, everyone's going to be like, Mikhail Arteta is incredible. 
and I'll sit here and be like, well, no, like, like that's not. I just don't understand. Arsenal is just such a strange like energy to Arsenal. But um, uh, I was looking at the team on paper and I was like, oh, you know, this is like a decent team. Like Gabriel and White at the back and Tommy Yasu. I just want to shout out him because he started super well. He's just slotted in. He's only 22. Um, and he's, he's just he's been playing really, really well. I mean, he was really good in this game too. Um, and and then sort of, so, sorry, just to wrap it up on the flip side, I think people are going too crazy about Tottenham as well. I think Tottenham have issues, but I mean, they, they, this is still a season where they beat Man City 1-0. Um, you know, uh, I think they'll they'll also end up probably pretty similar to Arsenal, which is upper mid table and there you go that's yep that's me done yeah um that wraps up our recaps um mm. oscar do you want to uh quick fire give me your three predictions for this upcoming week oh yes please 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 um i wrote them down okay so uh slightly wacky uh leads to watford two um yes uh two struggling sides. sorry two struggling sides Two struggling sides, exactly. And I think I, I actually think that would be a really fun game. I would I hope that's on Peacock or something I can watch because um I'm gonna find it and watch it. Okay, this next one is whack. Uh Burnley one, Norwich two, Norwich away from home, winning two one first three points of the season is a strange prediction for me. But who knows? Burnley only have two points, I believe. Um, you know, maybe maybe it'll be a good match for Norwich to get the the first three points. Um and then finally, Crystal Palace 2, Leicester 1. I'm not hot on Leicester. Uh, and I think that Crystal Palace, while they don't have many points, have been showing some really positive signs. Uh, and it just I just have a feeling about this game. I don't have a feeling about the other two matches. I do have a feeling about this one. So I'm excited. What did you predict? Uh, I predict a third straight 1-1 draw for Newcastle, drawing 1-1. Uh, with Wolves, yeah. Wolves are uh, very bad. So, all, yeah. Wolves a bogey side for Newcastle since always. Um, Everyone uh, says that Wolves are great this season because they're good to watch, but they are in fact great to watch and not easy, not hard to beat. So, you you know you never know you might have a chance. I have uh, Man City beating Liverpool three one. Yeah, this is a big one. Wow. Uh, yeah. Early uh, top of the, the table boxing clash, match, yeah. a title clash. Well, it's um, been a rough week for City with Chelsea, PSG, and Liverpool. And yeah. They've lost, they've lost two. Well, if they, if they lose three out of the three, that's quite something. But that's basically my, uh, my, my logic. They're mm. going to come out angry. Uh, oh, true. And I think yeah. they'll beat Liverpool. Handedly, Liverpool will score a late one to make the scoreline a little more respectable. And finally, I have uh, Villa beating Spurs. Uh, mm. Just, I think Villa have an excellent team. Um, you know, why not? Yeah, I would love that. Spurs are hilariously bad right now. Okay, uh, we shall see. To wrap up this podcast, Oscar, mm-hmm. you are lucky. You are short on time this week, and mm. I just by sheer circumstance. Uh, kind of had some short questions for you. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. This first player should be quite an easy one uh, uh, okay. because you are quite the FIFA player. Uh, yes, um, in my day. Yeah. And he is a recent uh, wonder kid. Oh. He 
started his career at Hotspur. I think he joined them at like six or seven. Um, he uh, spent almost his entire life there um, up until 2019, wow. um, barring two loan spells, one to Narch, one to Excelsior. Uh, before joining oh. this club in 2019, where he has been on fire, can you tell me where one Marcus Edwards is? Oh yeah, Marcus Edwards. Ooh, ooh. Um, Theo is obsessed with him. Uh, no, he's in. Uh, I got it. it it's a uh, uh, Liganos. Uh, I believe it's Vittoria de Gimarish. No, it's that one. Yes, with the black it and white is. Yes, they. Uh, recently renewed his contract. Yeah, um, he's there for five number. more years. He is only uh, 22, by the way. He has a 50 old. million release clause. Nobody uh, ever talks about him. Never, ever talks about him. And he's he's not a prolific goal scorer. He has about, I think, one in five uh, or something like that for, for, for Vittorio Dukimirich, which isn't, you know, incredible seeing as it is like Liganosh. But um, he, like, is... Yeah, he's English and nobody talks about him and he's just like been killing it in in top flight football for, for a couple of years now and I'm just really curious to see what his career pans out to be because I would kind of love it if he just stays in Portugal for like a long time. You'd never see English players do this. It's just cool. But anyway, By sorry. the way, yeah. it is no longer the Liga Nosh. It, it is, is Liga Portugal Buin. What? Ew. Yeah, 20, 2021, they have a new sponsor. What is Bwin? Uh, B-W-I-N? Not sure. Yeah, strange. Um, I, uh... But it, it's like um, the league uh, Uber Eats. Oh, right. Okay, okay. I was very unaware that he played for Norwich, actually, in 2018. I had no idea. Were they in the he, brand? I... No. Mm, no, I think it was the... He only made one appearance for them, but uh, I think yep. it. Yeah, they were in the, still in the championship. It was the before the first time they came up. He um, plays with uh, also former Wonder Kid uh, Ricardo Caresma, right? The Travella yeah, King. Yeah. I suppose. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm. Have not kept a uh, a great, uh, you know, watch on Vittoria de Gimarish. Plays next okay. to Andre Andre, the man so good they oh, had to I name him Andre twice. Andre. Yeah, ex Porto. Um, other than that, no names I. Oh, Andre Almeida um, used to play for uh, LAFC here in, in the US. Oh, cool. Um, and Nicolas Janvier, um, who. Oh, this is a different Nicolas Janvier, oh. not the Brentford player, a different one. Oh. All right. um, anyways. I have, you may notice uh, from the player I asked you about that there is a theme here, as there has been for the previous six podcasts. Uh, This one is Tottenham themed. Uh, And all of my questions are statistic based. Um, Pretty easy. It's just going to, I'm going to give you two two options. You tell me which one. Uh, This season, uh, who has more goals scored? Spurs or Burnley? Burnley. Correct. Burnley have yeah. five, which Spurs sits them in 16th. Spurs have four. Um, four, okay. 
Right, because the th- three one ones in the Arsenal. Um, so they are tied for last in the Premier League. Um, wow. Who has hit the uh, woodwork the most times this season? Spurs, West Ham, or Newcastle? Buzz. Technically correct. All mm. three are tied for last place oh. with one one time hitting the woodwork. Interesting. Um, uh, who has been dispossessed more this season? Spurs or Man U? Man U. They dally on the ball. I'm sorry, that is wrong. Man U is third. Spurs are second. No. And Palace is first. Yeah, uh, first worst. Hmm. Um, and finally, uh, who has more key passes per game this season? Spurs or Palace? Uh, Palace. Palace just edge. Uh, Spurs, Palace are in 19th with seven key passes per game, and Spurs are in 20th with 6.7. Well, um, more you know. Statistically, Spurs are horrendous. Um, hmm. Like, below mid-table for pretty much most of the statistics on who scored. Um, which, you know, I think they're better than one of the worst t- statistical teams. Yeah. But, uh, you know, not, you know, not having a great time. Lads, it's Tottenham. That's for sure. Lads, it is indeed. That being said, Oscar Saywell, this has been episode six of the Peaked Too Early podcast. Season two. You know, Blake, we've almost been doing this for a year, right? I mean, it was sometime in October that we started in 2020. I believe it was match day nine. Was our close? first recording. We are close. Crazy. Um, yes. Uh, please follow us, leave us a review, send us an email, uh, verbally abuse us uh, in our Twitter mentions, anything. Uh, and with that being said, thank you for listening and have a great week. I'm standing. <laughs>